Welcome, friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at fccfm.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's Word with you today. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. And it is so great to see all of you here this morning. We are glad you're here. Welcome to FCC for week number four of what I think is a really great sermon series called Stuff Christians Say. And uh, if you've been here the last few weeks, you know three weeks ago we talked about that famous statement, God won't give you more than you can handle, and we discovered that is, that is not true, and so we replaced it with the more biblical statement, God will be with you, and he will lead you through those hard-to-handle moments. Then two weeks ago we talked about that famous statement that God helps those who help themselves But we replaced it with several more biblical statements like God helps those who deny themselves and God helps those who help others and God helps those who cannot help themselves. Then last week we examined the phrase God wants me to be happy and we replaced it with God wants me to be holy. This week we are going to consider that statement that you've heard so many times, even in the media the past few days, in the past week, I've seen it several times that everything happens for a reason. But we're gonna rephrase that statement as well with our big idea for today, and here it is. Christians say everything happens for a reason, but a better statement is anything that happens can lead to redemption. Now, I think this is a fun one to talk about because this statement might be the most common, most used, most closely held statement that we're considering in this entire series. And this statement is also tied up in in some deeper theological discussions and debates than the others. In fact, I've had several of you communicate to me in the past few weeks that that you are looking forward to today or not looking forward to today because this is a statement you so often use in your own life and with others. And some of you have been like, don't mess with my statement. But before we dig into this discussion, I wanna share a scripture with you. It's Acts chapter 17 verses 24 through 27, and this is the the passage of scriptures we're gonna be unpacking today. Here's what it says, and this is the Apostle Paul speaking. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and the Lord of earth, and he does not live in temples built by human hands, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath In everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Have you ever noticed how, how people, uh, sometimes with the most sincere of intentions, can say some of the most insensitive things? Like maybe, maybe 
you're like me and you just, you've always had this battle, this struggle with your weight and it's been an ongoing thing all your life and somebody who's always been skinny says, oh man, you know, all you gotta do is eat less and exercise more. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Or, or when you're emotionally stuck and maybe it's depression, maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's grief or regret and, and you open your heart and share your feelings with someone else and their response is, Oh, honey, you just need to get over that. I remember standing next to the casket where my mother-in-law's body lay, my wife crying, and some sweet lady, well-intentioned, no doubt, walks up to her and says, don't cry. That's not her. She's not there. And that was not helpful at all. <laughs> or maybe you've been in my shoes and, and you're watching a parent or a loved one lose their battle with cancer. And someone is trying to encourage you and they say something along the lines of, I'm sorry your mom is dying, but you know everything happens for a reason. It was April 15th, 2013. You probably don't remember the date, but I know you remember the day. It was the day of the Boston Marathon bombing. James Costello was cheering on a friend. He was near the finish line at the marathon when the terrorist bombs exploded, severely burning his arms and his legs, sending shrapnel into his flesh. And then during, he did survive, and during the months of treatment that followed, he developed a relationship with one of his nurses, and they soon became engaged. And on Facebook, and this became news, that's why I know about this, Mr. Costello posted a picture of the ring from the engagement with a caption that said, now I know why all this happened. It was for me to meet the love of my life. And as you can imagine, he got roasted. Like numerous other victims of the Boston Marathon bombing were incensed by his well-intentioned but insensitive statement. Now, on a far less serious note, I actually Googled the phrase, everything happens for a reason, and I discovered some pretty funny memes, like the one that says, when you say everything happens for a reason, don't be surprised if I slap you in the face. <laughs> it happened for a reason. How about this one? This, this one's kind of harsh. Like, everything happens for a reason, and usually that reason is you're stupid and you make poor decisions. Yeah. And then there's one that says, uh, when one door closes, stay inside and take a nap. Everything happens for a reason. <laughs> but the fact remains, Christians often say this. We say it all the time. Everything happens for a reason. And, and sometimes we say this just because we're in an uncomfortable moment and we, we don't know what else to say. But then sometimes we say this because we genuinely believe that everything that happens happens for a reason that's predestined by God for some purpose. But what does the Bible say? And what does it really mean? And does the Bible really teach that, that everything that happens happens for a reason. Well, in fact, this phrase is found nowhere in the Bible. Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse one says, everything that happens has a season, but the Bible does not say everything happens for a reason. 
say, yeah, but we summarize a bunch of other scriptures, then it's true, right? Well, is it true? Is it true that everything happens for a reason? And the answer is, if we're talking about cause and effect, then yes, it actually is true. Everything does happen for a reason. I wonder how many of you remember the Indonesian tsunami of 2004. A lot has happened since then, but you might remember about a quarter of a million people died in 14 countries from the tsunami. It's one of the most catastrophic natural disasters in human history. And I don't know many people who would say, oh yeah, that quarter of a million people died and it, it happened for a reason. But it did happen for a reason. And the reason was it was the third largest recorded earthquake in history and it happened under the Indian Ocean. That's the reason it happened. And did the third largest recorded earthquake in history happen for a reason? Well, I'm glad you asked. Yes, it did. The earthquake happened when the tectonic Indian plate was subducted by the tectonic Burma plate. I had to look that up. But if you have no idea what I'm talking about, that's okay. You get the point. The point is that everything literally happens for a reason. It's actually physics. The universal law of causality states this. For every effect, there is a definite cause. And likewise, for every cause, there is a definite effect. In this particular law of physics, oh, by the way, is one of the many reasons I believe in God. In fact, it's kind of like the, the journalist, he was an atheist, his name was Lee Strobel, and he set out to disprove Christianity using the journalistic method, and he was gonna publish his findings that disproved Christianity, and in his research, he converted to Christ. And he, here's what he concluded. He said, to continue in atheism, I needed to believe nothing produces everything. That non-life produces life, that randomness produces fine-tuning, that chaos produces information, that unconsciousness produces consciousness, and that non-reason produces reason. And then he concluded, he said, I didn't have enough faith to be an atheist. And the reality is, and this is, this is just one of the laws of physics, everything is caused by something. Everything we see, everything we know, everything we touch, everything we experience, everything in the universe. And, and yet, some would have us believe the universe had no cause. It just happened randomly, effect without a cause. It doesn't make sense. It's not logical. Something outside the universe had to cause the universe. I believe that something is God. And so everything that happens, good and bad, everything that happens really does have a reason. I believe there's a reason both of my parents died of cancer. I believe there are physiological, biological reasons my parents had cancer, and there are medical reasons they lost their battles to cancer. But here's the bigger question. Do I believe God willed it? to happen? Do I believe God designed it to happen? Do I believe God predestined it to happen? Because that's really what's at stake in this discussion. Do I believe God willed both of my parents to die of cancer? Well, let's uh, answer that question as we take a deeper look at Acts chapter 17. 
verses 24 through 27. Verse 24 says this, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and he's the Lord of earth and he does not live in temples built by human hands. Now, just so you know, context here, this verse comes in the middle of a sermon given by the Apostle Paul to a group of philosophers and educators in Athens. And the point Paul is making here is, is really rather simple. He, he's stipulating this. God is the cause of everything. God is. God is the cause of everything. We're talking about cause and effect, right? God is the cause of everything in that God is the source of the universe and everything in it. It's, it's not random. It's not chance. The universe is caused by God. Verse 25 says, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. And so Paul takes the description of God a step further now. Not only is the God the cause of everything, but included in everything is life itself. God is the source of life. God not only caused the universe to exist, but God also caused a universe to exist that would produce and sustain life. Why do we have life? Why do we have breath? Why do we have everything else? The answer is because of God. Verse 26 goes on. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. So not only did God cause the universe to exist, not only is God the source of life itself, but God is sovereign over every civilization and every situation. God is sovereign over everything. So well, what does that mean? Well, the word sovereign, it can mean powerful, it can mean superior, it can mean in control, it can apply to a, a king or a queen or a, a ruler. But when it's applied to God, it actually means even more than that. And so I did some research and, and, I, and I found this article that gives five biblical descriptions of God's sovereignty. And I'm not gonna unpack it for you, but I wanna give you each of those five. Uh, five things about God's sovereignty means, number one, God is above all things. Number two, God created all things. Number three, God knows all things. Number four, God can do all things. And number five, God is in control of all things. That's what sovereignty means. God is above all things. He created all things. He knows all things. He can do all things. And he is in control of all things. And that last one, number five, it is the, really the most important one for our discussion today, that, that God is sovereign over every situation means God is in control of all things. And, and really, that's what the, the will of God is all about. The will of God is all about God's control. And I believe nothing happens, absolutely nothing happens outside of God's will that God knows all things, that God can do all things, and that God is in control of all things. I mean, that Indonesian tsunami, it wasn't outside of God's control. The cancer my parents battled was not outside of God's control. But just because something is not outside of God's control does not mean that God caused it to happen or destined it to happen or predestined it to happen. 
Now, theologically speaking, there, there are two essential parts to God's will. And the first part is, we, we call it God's prescriptive will. Think of the word prescribe. These are the, the things that God causes or he destines or he predestines to happen. Things like the sacrifice of Jesus. The Bible teaches us that, that Jesus was slain from the foundations of the world. In other words, that was the plan all along. There are many other things as well that, that God prescribes that, that happen in our world, that God specifically and intentionally makes happen. You might even say predestines and, and always for a good purpose. Some things happen according to God's prescriptive will, but then there are other things that happen according to God's permissive will. And that, that's the second part of that discussion on God's will. These are the things that, that God does not cause or destine or predestined to happen, yet he permits them to happen. And they might be the result of our bad choices. Or they might be the result of other people's bad choices. Or, or they might just be the result of nature or natural disaster. Cancer. Crime. Hurricane Ian. God does not likely predestine these things or cause these things, but they are the result of the kind of world he created. So he permits them to happen. So yes, God is sovereign. He is in control over every civilization and every situation. But the bigger question is, why does God prescribe? And we can understand that, but then the, the stuff he permits. We start asking that question, why does God permit certain things to happen? Well, verse 27 gives us the answer. Acts 17, 27. God did this so that we would seek him and perhaps reach out for him that we would find him because he is not far from any one of us. Why did God create a world with free will where not only good things but also evil things are not only possible but inevitable? Here the answer is clear. So that we would seek him, reach out for him and find him. God's goal in every season, in every situation is redemption. God does not cause everything that happens to happen, but God can redeem anything that happens, meaning God can reveal himself to us through it and make something good come from it. And the greatest good that can ever come from anything is a connection between people and God. You know, the greatest thing that could ever happen to us, not wealth or health or fame or fortune or prestige or power, the greatest thing is a connection with God. And yes, I do believe God could completely eradicate evil from our world at this very moment. You know, skeptics, they have that question. They say, well, if God is, is good enough or, or strong enough, then, then he would just get rid of all the evil in the world. So if he doesn't, he must not be good enough or he must not be strong enough. Well, I believe he is good enough. I believe he is strong enough. And I believe he could do it in a heartbeat. I don't believe it's his lack of goodness or lack of power that's preventing it. I believe it's his abundance of grace because here's here's the reality 
If God eradicated all the evil from this world at this moment, you and I would be in very big trouble. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. We all have some evil within us. But because of God's abundant grace, the goal isn't eradication, it's redemption. Everything doesn't happen for a reason, but anything that happens can lead to redemption. So what are we gonna do with all that? Well, first of all, some of us are gonna stop saying everything happens for a reason. Because the truth is, even though everything is the result of something, not everything happens for a purpose. And so it's just not a true statement. But the other reason we're gonna stop using that statement is because of what's at stake. And what's at stake is people's trust in the goodness of God. For instance, if God predestined the Holocaust, God's goodness would be questionable. But let me give you a more accessible, just a more uh, practical example. I actually wrote this sermon series several years ago. I was, I was serving in a, another church, and, and after this particular sermon, a lady in our church, I really hadn't had a chance to get to know, and she had just started coming to our church, and, and I knew she was really struggling with her faith, but, but she approached me, and she was, just, she, was, she was grieving, and she was weeping, and tears were streaming down her face, and, and, and I didn't know her story yet, but a few years earlier, two of her children had died. And she had grown up in a, a Christian tradition, a faith tradition that believes that everything happens, happens for a reason. And the reason it happens is because God predestines it to happen. And, and at one point in her life, she was committed to that idea. And, and so when her children died, who do you think she was angry with? She was angry with God. She was angry with people because all her friends are coming around her and they're saying, well, you know, everything happens for a reason and, and it's all according to God's plan and God has a purpose in this which only eroded her already struggling faith even further. Was she to believe God predestined her children to die in childhood, that God planned it that way because God had some purpose of his own that he needed to fulfill or some need to express himself? at the expense of her children. The very foundation of the faith of this grieving mama was hanging by its last thread. And the idea that everything happens for a reason was about to snuff out whatever was left. And this sermon empowered her to release her anger and to say everything Good and bad has a cause, but not everything is directly caused by God. And after that, she was able to find faith in God's goodness and kindness again. And today, she's thriving in her faith and serving in her church. And so in the end, God redeemed even that tragedy and drew her back to himself. And so we'll stop saying everything happens for a reason. We'll start saying anything that happens can lead to redemption. And then, especially when we endure awful things, we will pray, God, in your goodness, redeem this for your glory. 
And then here's the final thing, and this is our takeaway for today. I wanna challenge you, if you haven't already done so, memorize Romans 8, 28. Memorize that verse, meditate upon it. Whenever you're going through a difficult time, many of you know Romans 8, 28 already. If you don't, um, I want you to memorize it so that you can hold on to it. It'll be helpful to hold on to that promise. And for those of you who don't know, Romans 8, 28 says this. And we know that in, 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 in all things, the good, the bad, the hard, the easy, in all things, everything God prescribes, everything God permits, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That verse is all about redemption. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Memorize Romans 8, 28, and whenever you're going through a difficult time in life, meditate upon its words, remember them, consider them, believe them. When I was a freshman in high school, I was even shorter than I am now. And I weighed in at a staggering 120 pounds. And I had been out of the public school system for four years and I had very few relationships with non-Christian people. And so when my parents decided to re-enroll me in public high school, let's just say the transition was rough. And the truth is, I didn't really know how to act and react to people who were different than me or to difficult situations involving those different people. And one of the difficult situations for me was a high school junior who was six foot two, weighed about 275 pounds, he was an all-star offensive lineman on our football team, and he had a crush on my older sister. And when she did not return his affection, I became the object of his wrath. That's how I interpreted it anyway. <laughs> to say he was hard on me is an understatement. Just imagine an all-star upperclassman bullying an undersized freshman. And, and I'm not gonna relive the details here, but it was beyond difficult. Like he was hard on me, verbally, physically, sometimes publicly. Now, he eased up a bit my sophomore year, then he graduated, and he, he moved on with his life, and really didn't hear anything from him again. But with the advent of social networking, this was about 15 or so years ago, he suddenly reappeared in my life with the friend request. <laughs> which I accepted. And a few days later came a private message. Matt, I just want you to know I'm sorry for the way I treated you in high school. I regret my behavior. I know it was wrong. And it was easy to accept his apology because the truth is I had long since come to appreciate the struggles I had because of him. And I don't know if this is the best way to say this, but I'm just gonna tell you how I feel I feel like he toughened me up, which helped prepare me for a career in ministry. And the truth is, I'm not sure I'd be in ministry today if it weren't for him. Because You probably won't believe me. I mean, I know we like to joke about, what's it like to only have to work one day a week, right? But the truth is, vocational ministry, those who study such things statistically, is one of the highest burnout careers you can ever go into. 
and it can be incredibly difficult at times. It's the best job in the world, and I love it, but it can be hard, and you have to be thick-skinned. And he thickened my skin. What he did helped me be a better, stronger, tougher, more resilient person, and I believe ultimately a better pastor. Now, don't hear me wrong. Bullying is evil. Don't do it. Don't tolerate it. Stand up for those who are bullied. Don't want that for anyone. It's evil. But what he meant for evil, God used for good. Everything doesn't happen for a reason, but anything that happens can lead to redemption. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are the source of all things, the universe, life, breath, everything else. From one man, you created all the nations and you marked out the dates and times and the locations and you did all this, all these things to show us who you are in hopes that we would turn to you and live our lives for you. Thank you for your sovereign power as well as your love and your kindness and your graciousness and your goodness. And as we head into our time of communion, we thank you for Jesus, the ultimate reality of redemption, that what others meant for evil in the cross, you used for good. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at FCCFM.org.